Welcome to Saving You is Killing Me, Loving Someone with an Addiction podcast. Loving someone with an addiction is a life of chaos. This podcast is to help you take back your power and build strength, hope, and restore peace in your life. We use the science and art of positive psychology, professionals in their field, along with personal stories of hope, resilience, and strength. We hope you can discover how the courage to focus on you can help put your life back together. When you are in a place of exhaustion, hopelessness, and emptiness, we are a community that knows all too well the turmoil that comes from loving someone with an addiction. We are here to help you compassionately struggle well. Hey there, you're listening to the Saving You is Killing Me, Loving Someone with an Addiction podcast hosted by me, Andrea Seidel. I'm the author of Saving You is Killing Me, Loving Someone with an Addiction and Saving Me One Day at a Time, Finding Light Amidst the Shadows of Addiction. I am here for you and this podcast is for you if you're ready to find a way to struggle well to reclaim your power, and to live life happier while you're navigating loving or losing someone to addiction. I wholeheartedly believe that when you love someone with an addiction, your life gets damaged in some way. So since we can't control someone else's addiction, but we are greatly affected by it, the number one thing that we can do is take back our power and focus on us ourselves. Just remember that the thoughts and perspectives that I share on this show are mine and those of the guests on the show. So if you ever hear anything harmful or triggering, I'm pre-apologizing and we always aim to do better and we value your feedback as well as your permission to be human. So please use all the content here as educational and informational and not for the purpose of medical diagnosis, treatment, or prescription in any form. That being said, let's dive into today's episode. Hey there, Andrea Seidel here. I hope you're doing as good as possible. I know I always say that because it is so hard navigating uh, loving or losing someone to addiction. So I am here for you as your friend and supporter through this tough time. And I always say I wish we were meeting under different circumstances. So Today, I want to talk all about it's okay that you're not okay. I literally had to put on a brave face so many times, and I was dealing with so much grief on a continual basis. I felt grief, I felt loss. And then when my addicted loved one did finally disappear, I was dealing with so much loss. I was like, while he was with me, I was mourning the loss of someone who was still alive. I was grieving our relationship loss. I was grieving so, so, so much. I was not okay. And you might be feeling the same. You might be feeling a lot of the same feelings. And so today I just thought we could talk all about this idea that it's okay that you're not okay. And we want to meet grief and loss with love and compassion. And it's so hard because in our culture, our culture doesn't do that. It's kind of like our culture thinks grief is a problem that we need to solve or get rid of. And so it is really important. We want to we want to deconstruct this idea of how we experience pain and how 
we as people might be grieving and really challenged when we love someone with an addiction and we might be feeling tremendous grief and loss. So I thought this was a good good topic to talk about and I just wanted to delve into this and and offer you a new way of to live with grief. It's a new way of looking at grief as not something that you know what you just need to solve a problem or you know get rid of it altogether, but looking at it in a little bit more of a meaningful way that offers so much love and so much compassion to you because this is hard. So I don't know about you, but I, I always put on a brave face and we try to look for society to like that we're okay and things are okay. And, but really at home, like, I'm like, if you only knew what I was going through right now, cause I hid a lot of the struggle and challenge because I kept believing it was going to get better. That was one of the reasons, but also I didn't want to throw my loved one under the bus and make him seem like he was a terrible person, even though he was acting in really, really damaging ways. And so you know, sometimes we think and we get messages like, you know, you're, you'll be okay, or everything happens for a reason, or, you know, this whole idea of, you know, be positive and, and things like that. And, and, and in positive psychology, actually, that's the flack that positive psychology sometimes get. It's like, you think that you're just supposed to put on a smile and be happy all the time, but it's actually, that's not what the study of positive psychology is all about. It's about, yes, there are going to be challenges and yes, we will be going through grief and loss. And what are some amazing, remarkable ways to help us to be resilient? And that is the study of positive psychology, the science of human flourishing. And so we want to look at grief in in a meaningful way. We want to look at grief as instead of just like, you'll be okay, or, you know, brush it under the carpet and put on a brave face. And, and that's what society actually teaches us. It's almost like the perception of grief is broken. It's like, it's flawed in so many ways. So if you just feel kind of rage when you're like told to like, it's going to get better. What's the growth in this and this and that. It's like, what? But I'm really struggling here. I'm, I'm feeling so much grief and sadness and loss. Like this is so hard. And I just want to say, yes, this is so hard. And I just want you to know from my heart to yours that this is challenging. And I, the whole notion in society often is, is that, uh, we've been taught that pain, that pain is something that we need to correct or we need to overcome. But I just want to lovingly let us just sit with this grief and pain and look at it as, being there and honestly knowing that we're experiencing that pain and acknowledging it. Sometimes we just sweep it under the carpet, but I promise you, if you keep sweeping things under the carpet, eventually it's going to stink or it's going to get a bulge under the carpet. I always say, or, you know, if we forget about something, it's going to build. And the idea is that grief is a natural part of life. It is a natural part of the process. If we're going to love we are also going to lose. If we're going to, you know, be in life as humans, this is a natural part of what it means to be alive, right? Grief can't be just contained to like, here's grief, here's the problem, solve it, get over it kind of thing. That's not how it works. And so when we love, we will inevitably face some degree of loss. 
when we love someone with an addiction, we will inevitably be disappointed, discouraged, disheartened, hurt, uh, manipulated, lied to, stolen from all these things. Uh, And we will also be mourning the loss because addiction changes the people that we are with. And that is like mourning the loss of someone who's still alive. So grief is a natural, painful experience. It is, if we can just see grief as a natural, painful experience, uh, that we need to tend to it rather than solve the problem. It's an uncomfortable problem to solve. That's not what it is. Grief is there for us to tend to it. And this is just a new kind of perspective of looking at it. We're redefining this idea of what grief means and loss. And it's something that we need to tend to. We want to explore the ways that maybe society has misunderstood grief and kind of the difference between this idea that inevitable pain is going to happen. And what we want to do is take steps to relieve the symptoms of grief and relieve the symptoms of the stress that comes when we love someone with an addiction. And so it's really, really important for us to do this because let's face it, it's grief is going to be there and we want to look at it as something to tend to, right? So accept grief as a natural response to loss. Grief is a natural response to loss and it makes sense that you're feeling it. It makes sense. It's okay that you're not okay, right? So that is the bottom line. That is the bottom line. Like we can, if we come across, um, if we actually just dismiss grief or we make it impersonal or we try to get rid of it or we try to solve the problem, then we're missing a lot there, right? And we're that, you know, society telling us to be strong and like, you'll get past this and you're strong and blah, blah, blah. It's, it's hard. Like that, that isn't going to work because we can't just pretend it's not there and just say, oh yes, I'm okay. When we're really not okay. So that's the message there is like really focusing on the fact that, you know what, it, so we want true support begins when we can comfortably see grief for what it is. It's an experience that we experience when we are having loss in our life or we have some degree of loss and we need to work with it. Like instead of something that we need to diagnose and overcome, it's something that needs attention. It's right. We want to honor grief freely and we want to recognize that to grieve freely allows us to manage our pain without adding unnecessary suffering to it. So does that make sense? Like it's literally like the, if we're thinking we shouldn't be experiencing grief or we're upset with the grief that we have and we're just trying to get over it or solve the problem, then we're causing us more stress because we almost feel bad for grieving or we feel like we shouldn't have grief in our life. But meanwhile, grief is essential. If we allow ourselves to grieve freely, we can manage our pain more effectively without causing unnecessary stress, right? The pain of grief deserves to be acknowledged, right? With any, we don't need to solve it. We don't need to, you know, put more stress on ourselves for experiencing grief and thinking this is something we need to tackle or get rid of. And so, 
I, I hope that you're kind of like thinking about this and kind of like thinking about, oh my gosh, yeah, like I've been trying to do that or I feel guilty for feeling grief or I've been told to overcome it or, you know, pro, like, so the idea here is, is that we really want to tend to it, right? And we don't want to add a whole nother avenue for suffering, right? Dwelling on what other people might be thinking of us or we shouldn't be experiencing grief and this and that. So it's okay to not be okay. It's okay to experience grief and that you have the right to be upset, especially when you love someone with an addiction. You have the right to be upset and you are not oversensitive and you, you're you certainly not oversensitive. Like So no matter what people do or don't do, nothing is going to bring back the dead, for example, right? No matter what you know, you do or don't do, you're not going to take that addiction away. And so the rage that you feel or that grief that you feel is completely understandable because you're hurting and you're hurting like never before. And so this is so crucial, right? So it's, it's, it's here to give you a peace of mind that you are, so no matter what people say or do, no matter about the people around you, the facts are the facts and it's okay. It's completely understandable because you are hurting. It's understandable. So this, you know, addiction doesn't make sense at all. So no matter where you are in your grief, you know, it's important that you should grieve. It's important to grieve however you want. It's important for you to acknowledge that this is hard. This is sad. I feel loss. I feel a sense of disappointment and I feel just grief. And this is okay, right? Life as you've known it is no longer the same. When you love someone with an addiction, your life as you know it, that person that you loved has changed in some way. And they're, they're no longer the person that you loved or that you, you know, maybe it's a spouse that you fell in love with. Maybe that beautiful son is no longer that beautiful son. And so there's a loss there. It makes sense. So it's important that for you to know that you should grieve however you want. And, and just acknowledge that that offers so much self-compassion, right? Now that you can grieve, you, you basically know that you can grieve uniquely. Everyone grieves differently. It's basically time for you to see honestly, like no nonsense self-care, like to help you get through this. Grief is a natural process when you feel loss and it's okay that you're not okay. So it's really important for you recognizing that we all grieve differently and that you can grieve however you want and, and you should grieve however you want. And don't let society or people or anyone else tell you any differently. Don't feel like this is a something that you need to overcome. It's just about tending to that grief. So what would help you tend to that grief, right? So we want to relieve some of the symptoms of the stress that comes from grief. So, but we want to do that in very digestible steps. So we want to do that in a way that feels really good. Instead of feeling like we're just solving the problem of grief, we want to recognize that grief is a natural process to loss, feelings of loss. So how can we relieve some of those symptoms of stress? 
some of the stress that comes from grief? And how can we do that in baby steps? How can we do that in digestible steps that feel really okay for us, right? So when you grieve, you experience intense stress. And when we love someone with an addiction, we are grieving the loss of the person that we used that we used to have, or we might be grieving just constant disappointment or loss of, you know, the relationship that we used to have or or there it's so common to experience grief when you love someone with an addiction or if you've lost someone to addiction and the grief of that loss is profound and it creates such ex- intense stress potentially so the idea here is that we want to relieve the symptoms of stress that come from this grief and how can we do that how can we do that in digestible ways right we know that grief is an intensely emotional experience but we need to tend to it we 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 might underestimate the impact that it has on our mind, our body, our spirit, that stress of that grief. I remember, oh my gosh, like I remember feeling so stressed when I was in the muck of loving someone with an addiction and it just kept like I, I didn't realize the impact it was having until I felt like I was losing my sparkles. I had bags under my eyes. I wasn't sleeping. I was like, my mind was racing and ruminating constantly, worrying, what ifing, all those things. And I was so sad for the loss of our relationship, our nine-year relationship. And the sadness was like unbelievably just devastating. And so we often underestimate the intensity of the emotional experience that grief brings and the stress that it brings. So there will be days when your pain is so intense and feels unbearable, but there'll be days where you can like one foot in front of the other, getting out of bed, that kind of thing. So the the best thing that we can do is to continuously and gently tend to our emotional pain. So it doesn't mean that we just spring out of bed necessarily and, you know, and we're like uh, doing all these amazing self-care practices. The best thing we can do for ourselves when it comes to grief and the stress that grief can bring us is to continuously and gently tend to our emotional pain, tend to it, give ourselves relief wherever we can. Just start by observing yourself, start by gathering data, you know, write down all the experiences that are helping you process these emotions. Think about just all those experiences, writing down experiences that help you each day, those baby steps of things that help you take your power back, those things that help you process those emotions. And by doing this, you're going to notice with your, you know, a little tiny bit at the time, right? You're going to feel more grounded. You're going to, you know, when you feel a little bit of that pressure ease off, right? And so from here, it really, really is important just to identify the activities and the people that support you. And and also all those people that suck your energy or the activities that accept suck your energy or the, the, the triggers and things like that and make self-care a decision from there. So look at all the things, look at what lifts you up and brings you power and then look at what's draining and, and, and really destroying you. And then what you can do is you can try to decrease how much of those things that minus those things off our life 
and focus more time on those things that bring us power. And again, tending to those emotions, those strong emotions, tending to our grief and recognizing that it's there but to make those self-care decisions from there. And by doing this, we can notice, you know, ways to really help ourselves observing and noticing, gathering data. That's the first step, right? It's it's a process, right? It is different for everyone. So there's no, you know, right or wrong way here to help process our grief. It's like what we want to do is relieve the symptoms of the stress that come from grief and do it in really digestible ways. And, and know that grief affects us on so many levels. So I want to talk a little bit about how grief affects the mind. So the basically we might be grappling with guilt. Um, we might be feeling uh, uncertainty and we might be working with so many things in our brain. And so grief can uh, also make us question our lives, question where we're going in life. Um, it might right? We might be wondering like, what, what is the point of living or what, where am I going from this? Or, you know, you might be asking yourselves these, like, you might be questioning your life at this point. I know I did. And so remember to cope with these bleak thoughts. It really, the mind could kind of take over. So we don't want to hold on to it. We don't want to let it fester. We want to really recognize that it makes sense that you're having these thoughts. It makes sense because grief is challenging. Grief is a strong emotion and it's a strong emotion when we're feeling lost in our life, right? Stress from grief can change our mental capacity. It changes our attention. It changes our focus and it might help. It might cause us to feel more struggle. And so you may struggle to even be thinking, you know, rationally or, or thoughts or like, you know, things you might have brain fog. Um, you might be being really hard on yourself. And, and so we, I just want to emphasize this idea that it's, it's, crucial to recognize that grief can disrupt us in many ways. It disrupts our thinking at times. It can disrupt our ability to stay calm. Grief can disrupt our sleep patterns. Uh, it can, you know, even cause for me, I had like a lot of nightmares and like, you know, night terrors and I just couldn't fall back to sleep and, and recognize that this is okay. Your mind is doing its best it can right now with what you're dealing with. So grief has a huge impact on our mind. It also has a huge impact on our body. Uh, grief is basically a full body experience because extreme stress obviously looks different to person from person to person. But as we know, stress has a huge impact on our life. It causes us to feel extreme tiredness at times. It causes us to have heartburn. I know I've had hard heartburn, heartaches, all those things. And it, it can affect us on so many levels, right? So pain, the pain of feeling that loss and experiencing grief um, when we love someone with an addiction and we're navigating all the complexities that come there, it can actually manifest also into physical symptoms that show up because it's our body's way of coping with this stress, right? So what we want to do is remember to prevent those damaging breakdowns. We want to 
tend to these emotions. We want to make sure that we're we're processing it and maintaining enough energy to get through it, right? And and that's what we're doing. We're getting through it. We're not going around it or avoiding it. We have to tend and mend. And during this time, right, you might I didn't I couldn't eat. I remember I was so stressed. I have so much grief. I couldn't eat. I lost so much weight when my addicted loved one went out and I'm petite and and I I lost a lot of weight out of stress. I just had no appetite. I might also increase. I know some people when they're stressed they they stress eat. And so your body is coping with grief, right? It's by it's signaling you to eat less or to eat more. And there's not much we can do about that, right? Except for we can just constantly think about fueling ourselves with good, healthy food, nutrient-dense foods whenever we can eat, right? And baby steps, your diet will get better over time, right? So when you do what you can to take care of your mind and your body, you can tend to your pain without unnecessary suffering. So it's just tending, recognizing this grief is a is part of the process when we love someone with an addiction. It's going to be very common for you to feel and experience this emotion of grief. It's okay that you're not okay. And so we can't move grief We can't move on from grief just by snapping our finger or solving the problem, but we can create really nice, meaningful ways of moving and tending to it and moving around and through and with it, right? So no matter what happens, your days, your weeks, your months of grief, and when you're in grief, it'll eventually pass. It'll pass through you. And at that point, you'll enter a new phase of later grief. So there's different phases of grief. And remember that society needs to learn that grief doesn't always get better over time. You can have, like for me, I can honestly say that I still have moments of profound grief, of sadness, where I miss my addicted loved one. And I do miss that loss and I have moments. So it's not that time necessarily, oh, it'll get better over time. It may, you know, you're going to have ups and downs every single day, every year you'll have some moments, but I have to say we get better and better at tending to that emotion, right? So for example, I, you know, you might remember a birthday or you might remember, you know, have a moment where you were together and you loved that time and then you missed it in a moment or you went on a holiday. You remember back to the time when you were with that person on that holiday, right? The fact is that it's going to happen. You might miss that person later or in that moment. And so don't worry if you do, that's a part of grief, right? And that's what it is. We are, we don't move on from grief. We only move with grief. We tend to the grief in that moment. And so grief is here to stay. I'm sorry to say, right? But it's how we integrate it into our lives that determines how we can carry on. So it's how we tend to that experience, that intense experience. And we can start by creating new meaningful ways to live with it. We can start to create new meaningful ways to tend to our grief and it's individual for everyone, right? So think about ways that you can think about your own recovery. So recovering yourself. So during grief, 
How are some ways that you can support yourself? How can you tend to your grief? I think the first step is just recognizing it's okay to be okay, right? Uh, And that is the message here to build the right image of recovery for yourself, right? What does your grief look like when you imagine your future? Like, what does your grief like? Like, what will you likely feel as you carry on with your grief? Or which part of your grief are you ready to leave behind? And which one are which one is going to stay with you? And how are you going to tend and mend yourself through that experience? So taking the time to really find your own answers to this, um, from here, it gets easier to see how your grief can evolve, how your grief can, you know, carry meaning for you in a really unique way. And so that's hard, right? So grief is something hard to talk about and it, it is kind of evolving over, you know, with our society, our society thinks we should just like fix it and solve it. And so it's so important to recognize that a good support system in place is going to help you and honoring that grief is unchangeable and that there is an unchangeable essence of grief. But what you can do is you can draw on your resources, you can tend to your pain and rethinking grief in a new way, right? That grief is going to be challenging, but We do need to rethink grief and see it as it's okay that we're not okay. And I hope that this helped you in some way just to honor the experience that you might be having. Like when the realities of grief are there and, you know, it's like get over it kind of thing. It's like, oh, well, no, it like, it makes sense that you're not okay. And it makes sense that you're grieving because with addiction comes loss And it makes sense that there's maybe rage and frustration and and worry and stress that comes with this grief. And so this idea is, is that recognizing to handle grief, we need to handle it with authenticity to embrace the fact that it is there, that it's a part of our meaningful process. It's a part of being human and that there's no need to like, just like solve that as a problem is to sit with it. And I remember, I love the expression to sit. My, one of my teachers, um, she always says to sit in the wet diaper for a little bit. And it's almost like that. It's like, we do need to sit in that wet diaper to honor that it's there and that we're feeling those emotions and that we all deserve to grieve and to give grief an honest attention that it needs, the honest attention that it needs. And at the end of the day, people, we need to cry. We need to also carry on. We need to grieve and we need to also live with joy. So it's a natural part of our existence. So I hope that that was helpful. I hope that this, that this message is that it's okay that you're not okay. And that meeting grief and loss in a way that is full of love and compassion and tending and mending.
And so I hope this was helpful for you. And thank you so much for listening to the podcast and writing all your messages of support and uh, and gratitude. I so appreciate it. That's what keeps me coming back here. If you haven't already joined our support group, make sure you head on over to the support group, Saving You is Killing Me, Loving Someone with an Addiction on Facebook. Uh, also, if you're not on Facebook, obviously we have an amazing website with lots of resources for you there too at savingyouiskillingme.com. And uh, I'm just sending you so much love and hugs through the line and wrapping you with a big blanket of compassion and uh, from my heart to yours, sending hugs. Thank you for listening. If you want additional support, you can head on over to our website at savingyouiskillingme.com where we have a wonderful, supportive, compassionate community. We are here for you. You are not alone. We also have a private Facebook group and Instagram feed called Saving You Is Killing Me, Loving Someone With An Addiction. Be sure to subscribe here so you get the latest episodes. And of course, share this with your community and your support groups or anyone that's going through this struggle so we can all work together to take our lives back and restore joy. Thank you so much for joining me, not only today, but week after week. Although I wish we were meeting under different circumstances, I'm so grateful that I get to show up for you and share these episodes so that we can go on this journey together. Until next week, sending hugs.